0: Good morning, today's daf is daf mem aleph. Today's she will start from the third last line of mem omud beyes. Not much uh, to get lost in, but uh, um, we'll, go, we'll go from there today. It's uh, yeah. Omar Rebbe Ami Omar Rab. Rebbe Avi said in the name of Rab, my dear Siv, what does the post of me when it says, now you, son of man, make for yourself utensils, kalim, of exile. Um, basically what Hashem was telling Yehezkel uh, Hanavi, make for yourself a sort of camping equipment, make yourself kalim that people would take if they were fleeing into exile then, I mean, the hope was that the Jews would see it and realize that they're about to be exiled. That was a symbolism and to Or that if they're not going to, they better start preparing these kalim, if we can say in a more facetious way. If not, then they better start preparing these kalim as well. So now, what are those? clay She says, A candle, a bowl, a bowl, and a mat. Why? A can. Those are the bare essentials that a person needs when fleeing into exile. You need a candle to be able to eat. <coughs> and I guess set up camp at night. You need a bowl. A bowl, and they point out, is multipurpose. You can use it to eat, you can use it to drink, you can use it to knead dough in. And interestingly, it points out later on that they actually didn't take for themselves bowls. And they ended up having to, to knead the dough and prepare it. They had to like hollow out uh, a bowl shape in the ground. And their dog are full of like, uh, stones and stuff. Yeah. So, that was, uh, so they didn't prepare that. Dough. And the shatiach is a mat. They, was, they could double it up as like a, a, like a, pink, a picnic blanket that they could lie on. Bran actually says it was made of leather, but they could lie on. They could use it as a sit on it and eat. So that's what they would take. Once you've mentioned um, something to do with essentials, we bring another possible one who lacks everything. And the, I'll just read the whole Pasuk. It will just uh, make the rest going, bit, going ahead a bit easier. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we don't have to go. But it was, when it says the punishment that Hashem will give in Israel for not serving Hashem, the famous Pasuk. Because you didn't serve Hashem with simcha and a good heart. Um, the punishments that will come, and that's the posuk now. Is the following posuk that says, Well, from that posuk, you will serve your enemies, which Hashem will send you to, will send out against you, in uh, <coughs> hunger, thirst, and nakedness, and lacking everything. He will place an iron yoke on your neck ad until you are Hishmi until you are destroyed So, what's referring to? You mentioned that because of this will be uh, our enemies will come against us and we'll be starving and hungry and uh, hungry and thirsty and uh, not have clothes. What, what else is Seqo, What's lacking everything referring to? So, Rav without a table or a, without a lamp or a table ah, you won't have even the basic necessities that's considered the basics it says, Rab Gisda, Omar Rab Gisda says, no, below Isha without a wife. Rav Sheysha's Omer below shamish. Rav Sheysha says, without an assistant. Ab Nachman below Da, without uh, intelligence. And Tana below Melach, below Ravav. Another Tana tortures without salt and without uh, grease. Uh, salt and grease, granted, they're not at all fancy. And they're very basic to any food, to making it slightly uh, nasty. And they won't even have that. So again, different uh, approaches on what would be the essentials. And you might even argue what are the essentials to get through a hard time, like when your enemies are out against you. Um, that seems to be the the, the emphasis of the said, call. Now just focusing on the last one, Daya says, Amr Abayya Naktina. and Rabbi says, We have a tradition. When we refer to someone who's poor, we referring to someone who doesn't have the... Uh, Da, da, uh, das, knowledge or intelligence, wisdom. But my Omri in the Eretz Yisrael they used to say De be be. De lo be ma be. If he has it, if he has intelligence, he has everything. If he doesn't have intelligence, what, what does, does he, he does? have? What does he have? Says, do one who acquires it, what has he what is he lacking? Doloi kani. Mark on if he has not acquired intelligence, what does he even have? What has he got? So that's uh, intelligence. Just if you notice, I thought, uh, let me just see if I had a point on there. Um. Yeah, if you notice carefully, there seem to be two aspects to what um, um, what it's referring to when it says wisdom. One is um, again, in this tradition that they have from Eric Israel, that if you have it, you have everything. If you don't have it, what do you have? And then similarly, if you've acquired it, what are you lacking? And if you haven't acquired it, what are you not lacking? I, there's two aspects of intelligence. There's the natural-born instincts and consideration, called the Derek Eretz, that a person should have. And then there's also the intelligence that a person should work on, growing and learning over his life, continuously becoming wiser. And that's uh, seems to be what they're referring to. Omar Abba Al-Kassandri. al said in the name of Omar Abba Back to, remember the main discussion around that, what the subjects we just bring up, lots of tangents, is Bikr Khaled, the Mitzvah, uh, and understanding sick people because we started off this discussion with, can you visit a sick person who's not allowed to get benefit from you? That was the story when it says, so sorry, so back to Rabbi, uh, Rabbi Alakasandri in the name of Rabbi Chia Abba, a sick person does not stand up from his sickness until he has been forgiven for all his sins. As it says, I forgive all your sins and I will heal all your sicknesses. I, first I'll forgive your sins and if your sins are forgiven then you'll heal, your sickness will be healed. Ramunura Amar says, Not only will he be pardoned, he'll actually return to his youthful state. Shanema as it says Rutafes, so let me just check the pronouncing of that word. Rutafas Bisarominoar. His skin will become fresh like it was in his youth. Yashuv Lamey Ulamov, he will return to the days of his youth. So again, interesting two points two very similar points that they seem to be saying. Rabbi Al-Kassandri says if he will forgive the sins before he heals and Rabbi says someone who heals will return to his usefulness. So that, um, the one explanation on that is slicha uh, sometimes means like your sins are pardoned but if you carry on sinning or something like that they will be uh, taken into consideration again. Almost like I think, you know, sometimes the court offer a suspended sentence. Um, but that's, I think slicha is stronger than a suspended sentence but that's kind of what it is and whereas here returning to your youth is like saying you'll return to the stage you were in before you sinned so very he says taking it to the next level kol um, of his bed has been turned upside down in, its, in his sickness omarav Yosef he the mishka tamura that refers to forgetting his learning now, interesting, it's Rabbi Yosef that teaches us this point that you forget your learning, but we also know um, Rabbi Yosef Cholash. Rabbi Yosef became ill, and Ayake Leitamudei, he forgot all his learning. Ahadre Abaye Kameh, Abaye came to visit him. Uh, sorry, Abaye returned all his wisdom, all his knowledge to him. It says, And this is why you found throughout Shas, Omar Yosef Lo Hadashmaisa. <coughs> Rabbi Yosef says, I, didn't, I never ever heard that teaching. And Abaya, You taught it to us, and this is what the source that you gave for that halacha. I.e., um, again, we notice this throughout al conversations. The Rebbe was Rabbi Yosef. As he saw, he became ill, and he forgot his learning. And... Uh, Um, and Abayya, and his Talmud, used to remind him no, you taught it to us and give him the source um, which is interesting the Masores HaShas, which cross-references the Talmud um, brings a Ruvin, Makos, Nida and a few places in those Masehtas but it comes up and now and then now that I've pointed it out you might realize that yeah, right. Rabbi Yosef couldn't remember it, says I never heard that before and Abayya says, but you're the one who taught it to us and uh, and therefore I'll return to you. it so, too noisy. Shut so, up. I'm closed though. Yeah, I was thinking, what's the connection between sickness and forgetting your learning? I think your brain goes a bit... Okay, but the one's physical, the one's spiritual... You're not focusing on your learning anymore. So you're saying well, like physically the... Your brain goes a bit murky, you know, side effects of the medication. You're saying yeah, you medication. stop learning for a week or two, so that yeah. forgets. Um, it seems to be something almost more intrinsic to it. Um, but I'm not. Yeah. Okay. I'm a new it's It says, Pardon? Okay. Rebbe learned... 13 versions of I so explain this is 13 versions of the mishnah we've discussed this in the past that when rebbe um, each yeshiva kind of had their set of mishnayos each yeshiva had their uh, shas uh, slightly different versions obviously the core was the same but there were differences some were a bit more elaborate in one point somewhere not a uh, more elaborate in a different point. Some had uh, Rebbe Meir's traditions, some had Rebbe Akimba's traditions, some had um, Rebbe Shmol, that's what we often find, you know, Tana Devei Rebbe Shmol, Tana Devei Liao, that's slightly different traditions. And Rebbe knew 13 of those versions. I mean, that's probably also the advantage of why Rebbe was able to compile the Mishnah, because he had such an extensive uh, Almost like, you know, when someone wants to uh, research something and they have a whole lot of manuscripts in front of them and they write a safer or they make a point based on all the manuscripts. It's very authoritative. Rabbi had all the whole spectrum of, uh, of, uh, of collections of Mishnayos in front of him so he was able to compile and put together the best, uh, most, ac- uh, most accurate, most reliable, most authoritative um, collection and that's what we refer to the Mishnah. All these other collections, the other thirteen are what we would refer to as brises. So Rebi learned thirteen. Rebi He taught Rebi seven of them. The Sof Rebi. After a while, Rebi became sick. And as we know, someone who becomes sick forgets their learning. Rebi Hanu Apeita So Rebi came and taught Rebi the seven that he had taught him. Osdu. But the six were missing. And the great danger of the Anul Torah is... Just the like uh, Anushasa talking about well, uh, Mishnayos at least. Dahal right. dahal yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Wow. it's not exactly clear what format it no. was in before then, but along the lines that they, they had, uh, you know, you get... Uh, I mean, we know we have, uh, like, what's called the Sifra and the Sifri, and Torah's Kahanim, although that's the same as the Sifra, the Halakhic Midrashim, um, on the Chumash, so those are not organized according to Shisha Sidre Mishnah, they organized according to the Parish of the Chumash. So there are different collections of Tanai teachings, those would also be considered Braises. Um Once in a while, when we quote a price, we're quoting Toros Kahanim or something like that. Um, there's the Tosefta, that's almost, that's actually Rabbi Chia and Rabbi Shaya put together the Tosefta. Those prices that are like an elaboration on the Mishnah, um, but so sorry, what did you ask again? No, I was saying that they lived all throughout the Mishnah, like seven of them all who walked behind. Yes, to say it, say it, say And now six were lost. Come back to the to the discussion there. Does have a who have a shmae alel rebi keda have a There was a certain laundry man. He used to listen to Rebbe when he would revise them. Okay, it's off the heart. It's not like, oh, what did the Mishnah say? Let me go look it up. Yeah. So they would constantly. would obviously constantly be saying the Mishnah is off the heart to him. Well, to himself, but saying it. So this uh, uh, this laundryman used to listen to Rebi. So Ozaal Chia Re- He went. Rabbi Chia went and learned it from this. Laundry man, and then he went and he taught it back to Rebbe. So the six missing ones actually got back from the laundry man. It says When Rebbe used to see that laundry man, amar Rebi. Rebi said to him, You've made me and chia. You made chia and chia made me. This is based on the principle. What do you mean? He taught us Torah that we didn't know. It says, "If you made us," that's what we learned from Avram. You know, it says, "By Avram it says, asher the souls that Avram made in Haran. It's all the. It's a reference to all the people that he taught Torah to. They're the souls that he made. So you see, someone who teaches someone Torah gets them close, gives them the opportunity to come closer to Hashem. It is as if he made them. So that's the thing. Just very interesting on this. So obviously, this was onus and out of the control, but we know it's taught that if you forget your learning, you hire uh, Misa. Interesting, Rav. Uh, they bring from Rav Chaim uh, Veloso, I don't think he quotes it, where they get it from. But I think this, would, this will illustrate that point. I'm, I'm trying to remember the source. I think it might be in one of the books that are attributed to uh, Ketzerosh, what they bring from Rechaim and that that was in the times when there were notes for him. Because if you forgot something, the ramifications were very dire. Rebbe forgot his learning, and they lost six sections, oh. six versions of the Mishnah. Imagine someone around gets up and says, sorry, I forgot, uh, we don't have that Masechte anymore, I've forgotten it that's much more severe, and nowadays you can just go reference it. I'm not saying that you should let your learning be forgotten or anything like that, but there's grounds to say that it's not as severe if you forget your learning nowadays. Um, something else to think about is what's the, the the amazing change that Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe then came along and wrote down the mission. I mean, there's actually a question whether he just compiled it or even actually wrote it down, but uh, it's just interesting that Rebbe underwent this experience and then he saw and he went and he wrote down the Mishnah, maybe he realized the danger of it. Again, the other problem is then you have the oral law, which is written down. So now the Mishnah, we kind of treat the Mishnah as a given, kind of like the, or, like the written law. Yeah. But uh, it's not supposed to be like the written law. So you've got to uh, do with Rabbi Hadri, uh, Rabbi and the Gemara deal with. So the wagons of books. Yeah, in the times of the Reshonim today, every today book, is a terrible thing. Today we think, okay, well we can have it printed again. Yeah. Those, some of those books were gone forever because they were handwritten yeah. those books were handwritten, which means a, a set of shots was extremely rare because you literally had to write down every single word. I think a lot of also just I mean the expense and the time and effort that it went to putting out the manuscripts was phenomenal. And if you think about it also they probably put in a lot of effort to know a lot of it off by heart just because of that. Um <laughs> So yeah, so when, I mean, it doesn't even matter what wasn't forgotten, but you burn, uh, you, you put in effort to get every single schatz in town, and you burn it, you most likely have every single schatz in town. Yeah. It's not like Johannesburg where every second, every person, every Jew has a schatz or two, and an ultra shafts and another schatz, and uh, you go to shul and they 100, and the other down the road, and another. it's not like that, there was a very uh, far after mount. Of verse 4, said, name It's a greater miracle that is performed for a sick person and is performed for Misho, Mishal Why? So Chananya Mishal the. One of Hananiah, Mishal, and Azariah was a, cube, a fire made by a human. Ai Nebuchadnezzar, or his servants lit the fire, and that's what they're going to burn him. Extremely hot, but uh, lit by a human. shall head, yod, and so anyone could put it out. but the sickness, sickness the fire that burns away a sick person, shall who, it's uh, from heaven, and who is able to extinguish it. I saw, I was wondering, so, I mean, it's a sweet idea to say that, it's but like, what's the bigger deal? Khanani Mishra, and or a sick person recovering? So I saw an um, article bring the Ion Yaakov that, um, no, this that Khanani Mishra, and Azariah survived is not a big deal. They were huge hadikim. Whether it's a miracle or whether it's a regular, like, it's nothing special that they survive. Whereas a regular person recovering from their illness that's how far Hashem cares about His creations. that even someone who's not necessarily deserving of any special, deserving of special treatment, Hashem still takes very good care of them. Um, I'm not saying because that doesn't sound like what it's saying from the words. It's a nice idea, but it's not what the words seem to be saying. So I was thinking, um, there's a, this is hard to understand, but there's a special aspect of Hashem's care and connection to us that comes through almost nature. I, when there are things that are out of the ordinary and unnatural, yeah, that, that's, that's amazing. And it reminds us of, of, of the greatness of Hashem. But the true greatness of Hashem, again, and this is something we, we desensitize ourselves to, is the running of the world. I mean, someone once put it to me, and I think this is a... I don't want to get into that discussion, but almost... A, in viewing the world through evolution is imagine your car the more you drove it it got better at handling potholes yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what, it got better at dealing with the environment around it that's not how uh, man-made things work they deteriorate and the, and the hard environment they have to live in the more they deteriorate if you look at Hashem's world I'm not talking about uh, obviously people what we go through builds us and develops us but just the natural world as well. That's kinda what natural selection is. It's the the, the species evolves. It grows with the challenges and the environment has put in. Which is uh um, so that's an amazing, amazing thing. So that Hashem created a human and make it it can become sick and it can heal itself. I mean I wish I just drove off the problems my car has. Yeah. You know? You can tell you can tell a young kid, you know, walk it off can't tell your car, walk off that uh, flat tire, you know, so, so I think that maybe that's what it's uh, an allusion to them, the great, uh, one of the most phenomenal things, the greatness of Hashem is nature and there's sickness, I mean interestingly also, I mean, you can see they always, we're, we're not sensitive to this, but they're always speaking about sickness almost as for granted it's a punishment and it's because of virus and if you do too chuba, your sickness will recover they're not looking at it from a very natural perspective, but still, it's that that it's, the healing is through a natural means. Okay, so that's uh, that's just yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's a lot more to think about on that, but let's go on. and was in the name of it was When the end of a, when a person's time comes anything can dominate it i when a person when a, a person's 120 years anything is there can take uh, can uh, carry out the ending of his life. and it says well you're what said anyone who finds me will kill me i kind said hashem now that you've taken off your protection from me anything can kill me kain clearly wasn't too worried about uh, I mean, what, uh, a frog? Frogs, no, It's anything. Once the person's time has come and they're deserving death, anything can. Says, Rav Okay, and that's why we know Hashem said, "No, I'll put a special sign on your forehead that pe- that they know not to kill you. Rav Omar korah says it's from the following passage. ki They stand ready to fulfill your judgment or your laws because they are all your servants again when a person is ready to die anything in the world will be there to um, carry out its judgment rabbi Barshila was once told that there was this very tall man died how did he die he's riding a small mule and when he was crossing a bridge is the mule either got a fright, or it uh, became terrified, or it went mad, and Shadji it uh, threw him off, and he died. Kori al nafshei. Rav Barashila said to himself, says, We see your judgment stands for that day. Hi, when it's time for a person to die, he'll die. Again tall man riding a mule, he's not worried about balance or stuff, he just puts his feet on, them. it's not like he's had to jump up onto this tall horse, he just puts his feet on the ground and he's secure again. So it's like very ironic that he was riding this tiny little mule, got to a bridge, all of a sudden the mule lost it and uh, so backed and chucked him into the river and he drowned. Um, similar story, Shmuel Khaziela who de the Yosvi al akurkata. Um Shmuel saw the scorpion sitting on the back of a frog. and they crossed the river. He, wrote, he, he, he used the frog as his boat to get across the river. Tarka gadra or it stung a person and that person died. And your laws stand every day. there's the person who Why is it so? Why is such an anom- anomaly? Okay. So the frog stung, uh, the shark should have stung the frog. Should've the should've stung stung frog. The frog. Like, Why would a scorpion go on a frog? And not only that, independently, neither of those were at all harmful to this man. Because the scorpion was stuck on the other side of the river, and the frog can't harm a person. But together, in this very strange, bizarre um, turn of events, it caused, it brought about this person's death. So that's the. Uh, that's again this emphasis that uh, I think maybe it's another way of saying Hashem has many agents to do His work. Um, back to Bikur Cholim, You only bring you only visit a sick person suffering from a fever. Like coming to exclude. You can't tell me he's saying that the Halacha, the mitzvah of Bikur Cholim, only applies to someone who has a fever. Telling me all these hundreds of other types of illnesses and diseases and suffering that people go through. There's no mitzvah bikrul Obviously not. Shmuel's coming to exclude from something more specific. That's how the Gomorrah is asking. It says, or says, To exclude from the following. ben ben said the name of You don't visit someone who has. Uh, Stomach issues or someone who has uh, sore eyes. nor someone who has a headache. It makes sense not to visit someone who's got a uh, sore stomach because of uh, stomach issues because it's embarrassing. He's going to be running into the bathroom every time. He might be touching himself. You know, it's very it's embarrassing. In my why can't you visit someone who has sore eyes or a sore head? It says, no. speech is harmful for the eyes and beneficial for someone with a fever like someone's got a headache, splitting headache or sore eyes and you just lie in a dark room and you're going to go and talk to them it's going to make it much worse Um, whereas someone with a fever all he wants is the distraction from the pain and discomfort he would love a visitor so again, I think I wouldn't take these as rule as hardcore rules but I think the principle is very clear your Bikul cholim must be for the benefit of the sick. we've mentioned a few stages over the last few there's one of the main reasons Hashkafically this is uh, very important to think about Uh, I asked the question yesterday why do we need to uh, learn about Bikul cholim? shouldn't just be something that's instinctual but so I thought of an answer last night, maybe it will come back to me, a better answer than I gave yesterday. Um, but other than we've seen, you know, so you go you go to the sick person and then you dive in for them. You check that their physical surrounds are good. You see if they need any medication or help. That's the primary aspect of visiting the sick person. And then, But obviously, again, it's got to be done sensitive to the sick person. What does the sick person need? Uh, like I mentioned yesterday, you don't make, stay there chatting to them for hours and hours when they need a rest. And so, to hear someone's got a headache, maybe going and visiting and talking to them, or you know, bustling around cleaning and dusting the room when they've got a headache, is not the right way to be them. Um, uh, if they've got an, an illness that they're embarrassed by, you don't uh, you don't go visit them. Also, how do you do f- fulfill the mitzvah in these scenarios where you can't go visit them? Well, there's some basic ones. One is you can dive in. Again, I don't know if that's the ultimate pickle for him, but that's an aspect of it. You check with their family. Now, guys are embarrassed for people to see them in that state. So, ask also, family, is there anything I can do? Can I make a meal for you? Do you need me to organize uh, someone to come help clean up? You, you find another way to do the mitzvah without embarrassing or disturbing the sick person. I worked in the Yiddishan work passed away about two years ago. I A that I with, yeah. away about two years. Ago from lung cancer. He would not allow anybody to visit him in hospital. want anybody to see him. Yeah. So I know there are people like that. I know people who like. I don't know what their motivation is, but they will not let people know that they sick. I mean, we saw Rava when Rava was ill. First day, he would make sure no, you try not let anyone know you're sick. Tell his family, don't tell anyone. But from the second day onwards, he'd say, make an alphabet, tell people, to do that for I me. Mean, it's also interesting, I don't know if they speak, I mean you can analyze it, but are they speaking about someone who has like a little bit of a cold or flu? I mean flu already is how people are bedridden, but like uh, case or, you know, uh, how are we talking about deathly ill? A lot of the suyas seem to be closer to deathly ill than, than just uh, a little bit, but uh, something to think about how it would play out in the scenarios in the different uh, in different illnesses, yeah. the the Musa. This fever if not then it was the four uh, the what's it the parvanka the person who walks before the king announcing that the king's coming. If he was not the the parvanka of the Malacham It would it would be as beneficial as a f- Form bush growing around a palm a date palm and again obviously this is only if it's once every 30 days the tiraiki it is like the antidote the Kufa for the human body I uh, amazing way to think about it but uh, will and so what's a, a fever if not for that it was the bringer of the angel of death it would be amazingly beneficial like a thorn bush that runs around the palm tree. No animals can get to the palm tree and damage it or eat its fruit because of the thorn bush. So that's the, the fever would protect the body. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the antidote, it's the cure for what the body needs. Problem is it brings the malachamovas, which is fascinating because we know that what triggers a fever, your it's your antibodies, it's your immune system working. Yeah. So that's what's it's, it's Theoretically, it's very good. It's important that there's the fever there because it means the immune system is working. It just has uh, negative ramifications. I always struggle to understand how that can be. Like how the body creates this fever to fight off for illness, but it's the fever that kills. <laughs> but yeah. But either way, that's the body. That's uh, the body working. I'm not coming by. He says you don't want it and you don't want its cure. It's an uh, antidote. You don't want the. You don't want uh, fever with any benefit that it could bring. Omer um, Rabbi Yonasan, Omer um, Rav Yechil Arsan Yoffel Lechoyle Arsan is good for a sick person. L'Refu Asa For his Yoffel Lechoyle L'Refu It's necessary for the refuah of a sick person. My Arsan, what is Arsan? So Omer Rabbi Yonasan, Khushla Khushla desaari atikey Dedeish nafyey It's uh, Old held Bali from the beginning of the sifting process. And Omer Abaya, Rabbi says slightly different, Boyan Bishula, Kaim Bishra, the Turret, requires extensive cooking like you would cook ox meat. Whenever the Gemara wants to refer to something that requires a lot and a lot of cooking, it says ah, what you need to do to prepare to make ox meat, to cook ox meat. Rabbi Yosef Omar he says slightly differently, smida, it's not the khushla, but it's the smida, the fine flour, the sariatiki of old... Barley, the resh from the beginning of the sifting process. Omri abaya, bayim bishulak bishrudukhutur, and so too on that. Abaya, we're not sure, I guess, on which one, but abaya said that it needs a lot and a lot of cooking. Okay, so that's uh, something beneficial for sickness. Omri b'yochanan, burdam ain mavakrin. Someone who has burdam, you don't visit him. Baein mazkiri in shmo, you don't mention his name. My time, what's the reason? Omri b'lezim, who? kama'ayan anavaya. It's like he's a flowing spring. It's either severe diarrhea or a bloody discharge, something like that. But it's, it says, Why is it called Burdam? It's like a, a, a flowing spring. Um, it seems from the word a pit dam His body is a pit of blood that's just uh, leaking. It. I don't know if that sounds the opposite of a Mayan, if I'm understanding it correctly. Um, but that's uh, so. This disease is either I think it's very very embarrassing for the person to for other people to see him in that state, and for people to know even that he has that disease. So uh, so so you don't never mind. You don't visit him. You don't even tell people what's wrong with him. You just say, Oh no, he's not feeling well. Got flu. So it's umar hanefesh. Then the Mishnah went on and said, again this is hamura uh, anom echavara, someone who's taken a vow from their friend. We said he can heal him refus hanefesh, but not refus hakuf. There's tani. This is what's hakik tani. What's the teaching? Says ilay med refus hanefesh, mukiyam refus mamon. Sorry, sorry, I didn't say that. It says you can heal refus hanefesh, but not refus mamon. So he says, what do you say? Maybe, refuah's nefesh means you can heal him for free. Refuah's mamon b'schar and refuah by mamon means for a He says, well, then the Mishnah should have taught that. You can teach him for free but not for a And how would nefesh mean free? Nefesh is, I want to. I want to heal you. I'm not doing it for my job. I'm not doing it because I'm paid. Nefesh, that's what I want. Um, that's the first way we want to read it. And then it says, no, it can't be that. It must be um, because then the Mishnah would have said for free or for skar. So it's Ela Rafu's Nefesh, when it says Rafu's Nefesh, it's referring to the person himself. Refers Mamun, when it says refers Mamun, behem to his animals. I uh, oh, What difference does it make that you can heal the person but not his animals? So, very interestingly, because there's a mitzvah to heal other people. There's no mitzvah to heal an animal. I was thinking, what about Sarbate Chaim? But let's just put that on the, in the back of our mind for the meantime. There's a mitzvah to heal a person. Now remember, I'm allowed to do my mitzvah even if you're not allowed to get benefit. Again, as long as the benefit is uh, secondary, uh, tangential. And we'll see a ramification on that shortly. Um, Yeah, let's just read the next line. Says Omar. Whereas your animals is just a pure financial benefit, and you've got a sick cow that can't plow for you, and then the vet comes and heals it. Well, now you've got a more valuable cow that can do it. That's a proper benefit. Again, without this mitzvah aspect. Omar, Rav Zutra Bartuvia, Omar Rav. You can tell him, your cow needs this, your cow needs that. And they learn from that you can't pass him the medicine. The vet can't say, here, this is the medicine, he needs take it or put this on it, you know. But he can talk to him. says the speech is is a very minimal benefit and therefore you can do it. You're not allowed to heal the animal, but you can tell the owner what to do here. Which is, as I said, a little bit difficult because it's like, oh, shouldn't you be worried about the animals suffering? All oh, very well that you've taken an error, or the owner's taken an error, but why should the animals suffer? Okay, but it seems that there is no mitzvah to heal an animal. There is a mitzvah to heal a person. Therefore, I can do my mitzvah, even though the person's not allowed to get benefit from me. What is how? But how far does that extend? So interesting, they say that obviously I can part that the sick person's not allowed to get benefit from me. I can part when it says I can heal him. I can pass him the panardo. I can't give him my panardo because then he's getting a financial benefit from me. But I can pass him his panardo. Or, but by an animal, you wouldn't even be allowed to pass, the the vet wouldn't even be allowed to pass, say, oh, here's your, where's your dog's, uh, I don't know, food? Here's your dog's food. No, you can't do actions. You can only use speech. Um, that's a... Uh, <coughs> That's, that's one point. Um, the run also points out amazingly that obviously this is even when there are other doctors. He says, um, I'll just read the run. It's the third line from the top of the page. But it says, so, We must be discussing a case where the assets of the doctor are forbidden to the sick person. That's why he's not allowed to heal the animal. It must be a case where there's another doctor. Because if not, you would be allowed to heal the animal. If you're the only vet, then you can heal an animal of someone is not allowed to get benefit from you. Why? The hot we learned above. You're allowed to return a lost object. Remember we said that? You're allowed to return your lost object. And he, what, this is the greatest Returning of a lost object, healing someone or healing an animal. You're going to lose your animal, so I heal it. What's the difference between whether I find the dog running down the street and I get it to you, or I find it ill and I I heal it? Um, It must be a case where there is another doctor. But you can you can still work, heal the person himself. because the person doesn't necessarily benefit from anyone. Uh, so fascinating what they're saying is, even though there's, you could choose the six doctors in the in the, in the in the in Glen Hazel you could go to. You can still go to the doctor, or the doctor who is not allowed to get you're not allowed to get benefit from could still come and heal you. Um, that's. Uh, that That's how far the run takes it. There are a few other points to discuss, but I think let's go on. Um, the next Misha says, again, this is Hamudah um, Hanomay Okay, This is all going. If someone's taken benefit from getting a vow from getting benefit from their friends, says, You can go in the same path. If it's a big bath, but not a small bath. Why? Because if it's a small bath, you cause the water level to rise. If it's a big bath, if if a second person jumps into the swimming pool, you don't notice the water level rise. But if you're in a smaller tub and someone gets in, you notice the water level rise. And that's considered a a benefit, because you prefer it. It says, And you can share a bed. And Rabbi Rabbi Yehuda explains, In summer, but not in winter. Because then the more people sharing the bed, the warmer it is, the better. And, uh, and, you know, there's nothing better in, uh, in winter when your little children come uh, cuddle into bed with you. That's very nice because it's nice and warm. In summer when they come and they wrap your, their arms around you or snuggle into you, say, oh, it's boiling, it's way too hot. So that's what it's saying here. If someone's not allowed to get benefit from you, they can't share the bed because it's uh, a but In uh, in winter they can, but in, they, they can't. But in summer they could because it's not a hana. It says, you can recline on the same bed. Remember they used to eat by reclining, so that's what we're referring to. And ima ala shulchan, he can eat at the same table. What does it mean they can eat at the same table? Two people who have isor hana, can eat together on the same table this is quite surprising there's weight but, but meat and milk now what's the danger eating at the same table This will come to share each other's food you know how to get benefit from me so you might reach over and have one of my pieces of bread or something and we see I mean we even see this if you're eating meat and I'm eating milk you're not allowed to eat at the same table so why is the net different so the Rosh here says a net is different because um, uh, where was it he says, "Oh, because he says, this is w- if someone took a netter from their friend getting benefit from them, they most likely dislike each other or hate each other. If they hate each other, they're not going to share food. So it 's fine. it would be the same thing with meat and milk. If two people hate each other, they can sit at the same table and eat uh, meat and milk because they're not going to share food. The Raj says like, says, no. People are much more sensitive, they're much more aware of when they've taken a netter." So if we're sitting at the table eating meat and milk, we're not as like, concentrating, we're not as aware, so we might accidentally eat from the other person's food. But when there's a netter involved, then people are very sensitive, very, take it very seriously, and they won't come to eat. Okay, but you can't share the serving bowl. I'll explain that soon, let's just contrast it. You can share from the same serving bowl if it will be returned. So remember, if, if the host comes and puts before us a bowl of chicken and they're three pieces of chicken. If I take one as opposed to two, I'm leaving over a piece and you get benefit. So That's why we can't share a bowl that's put before us that we expect to finish. If it's a serving bowl that's going to be returned, I, you know, when the host comes out with a full bowl of salad, you expect to pass it around, and you can pass it around a few times, and by me leaving over in that bowl, you aren't going to get any more than you would have got if I didn't leave over. There's more than enough for me, and there's more than enough for you. So there's no problem with Hanoah. That's the thing. Okay. Now we're just going to go into a price that elaborates on some of the points in the Mishnah. Tanya Lo You should not wash in the same bath. you shouldn't sleep in the same bed. Whether it's a large bed or whether it's a small bed. If Meir, that's Rebbe Meir's opinion. Rebbe Hura, says you can share a large bed in winter, because again, if, the, they, if it's a large bed, they're not going to benefit from each other's warmth because they're going to sleep on opposite ends of the bed. But in, in summer, you can even share a small bed. It seems Rebbe Meir is concerned that, you know what, if I allow them uh, this month to share the bed, well then what about next month? You know, you know, the, you can even tell from these nights. You know, one night you're getting into bed, you're wearing uh, warmer pajamas. The next night you're wearing uh, summer pajamas, because, you know, it's depending on the rain. It? So, so that's why Rebbe Meir doesn't want to make any allowances. Rebbe Hood is not as concerned. it's You can wash in the same bath. imobakatana. And you can go in the same sauna if it's a small, even if it's a small sauna. Not sure what's the benefit of a sauna, um, the sauna, the steam is the steam. You don't take away. So whether, yeah, so it makes no difference whether <coughs> it's a large sauna or a small sauna. <coughs> I said, yeah. uh, it says, <laughs> you are allowed to recline on the same bed The same couch And you can eat at the same table But not from the same serving bowl You can eat from the serving bowl That will be returned ah, That there's so much food That the owner's going to take some back to the kitchen I don't know if he's explaining If he's arguing or explaining But even from the tamkhoi That will be returned To the barabayes. And let's leave it there for today. We'll start the new piece, the new Mishnah, tomorrow.